You are listening to the teaching ministries of Southwest Church, located in the heart of Springboro, Ohio, at 150 Remick Boulevard, beside the Kaufman Family YMCA. Please visit our website at www.southwestchurch.org. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Senior Minister Roger Hendricks. In the rest of our time together, we want to look at some important reminders on this celebration weekend from the section of the Bible that we began reading earlier in our time together found in First Chronicles. Now, we mentioned earlier the context of this amazing Bible text. Uh, the, the books of First and Second Chronicles, actually, we believe at one time were one book, uh, and then they were later divided into two books, and they are an overview of Israel's history. In many ways, they're chronicling the history of Israel and some of the things that were maybe omitted or left out of previous tellings. And an overriding theme throughout First and Second Chronicles is the theme that God seeks seekers. God is seeking those who will seek after Him with all their heart. It also answers in these two books uh, an overriding question. And the overriding question over and over again that, that First and Second Chronicles answers is, will God keep His promises? Now, to remind us that God does keep His promises, let's read David's celebration message found in First Chronicles 29. We, we read earlier how he prepared the people to give. But let's read the actual message of how he was celebrating God there among the leaders and among the people of his day. And I think one of the attributes of David, King David, that made him such a great leader is that he was quick to praise God for his greatness. So if you're taking notes, you've got a blank sheet of paper, you can write down 1 Chronicles 29 and either follow along in your Bible or a Bible app. But the first thing that we want to notice is that he leads this celebration with praise, with praise. In 1 Chronicles 29 in verse 10, we read this, then David praised the Lord in, in the presence of the whole assembly. O oh Lord, the, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O oh Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. O oh Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. I love how David was a man after God's own heart. If you're not familiar with the story of King David, David was this, at one time, this shepherd boy who would be out in the fields tending the sheep. And undoubtedly, he would lie down at night and look up at the stars and just marvel at the, the beauty of God's creation. 
He's the one that wrote many of the beautiful psalms that we read in Scripture that are just great writings and and great prayers of praise to, to what a great God God is, acknowledging His greatness. And although he grew up to become the king of Israel, he never lost that childlike amazement of God's greatness. Sometimes in life, I think we can become too impressed with our own accomplishments or maybe the accomplishments of other human beings. We can celebrate our victories But we can lose sight in the midst of all that, the greatness, the power, the glory, and the majesty of the Lord our God. In past years, we've utilized this time, this this weekend before Thanksgiving, just to celebrate milestones that we've experienced as a congregation. And although in many years, in, in many ways, this year has been a banner year with many milestones, and we celebrated that at our 20th anniversary earlier this year. We've seen increased offerings, as Jamie shared. We've seen increased attendance, a record crowd at Easter, a record number of people involved in small groups this fall with almost 200 adults participating in our small group series, Go Fish. So there's a lot to be grateful for. Yet as we approach this Thanksgiving season, I want to lead us to focus on the greatness of God and how He is worthy to be praised. This Thanksgiving, and, and by the way, I just, I, I know Thanksgiving comes every year, the fourth Thursday of November. I know that. You know that. But I don't know. It just seems like it crept up on me this year. In fact, the, the math geek I am, I, I researched this, and next year is the earliest Thanksgiving can be, okay? So, so there's a reason why it seems early, because it is one of the earliest times it can be. But, but you know, Thanksgiving is a, is a great time to just reflect and to be thankful. And so I want to encourage you to take some time this week, whether you gather with close friends or family here, or whether you're traveling to a different part of the country to spend time with family members, as Jay and I will be driving uh, to Indiana this week to be with family that we love, I want to encourage you to just chart out some time. Just make sure you reserve some time this week to just get alone with you and God. Maybe make a list of what you have to be thankful for. Spend some time just thanking God for his goodness poured out into your life. And just give him praise for what a good God he is. As I reflect on my blessings this Thanksgiving, I I praise God for his goodness, his faithfulness, and his grace that he treats me better than I deserve. I'm so grateful for the good God that we worship. And I'm personally, I I don't think there's a better time of year than Thanksgiving just to be reminded of God's goodness, his faithfulness. And I think also this season, along with the Christmas season that follows, is a great time just to to marvel once again at 
And what an awesome God we worship. And to rekindle that childlike amazement that it seems like David never lost. In keeping with the focus of new, which has been kind of a key word for us all year, this year, we're going to approach Christmas this year in a new, fresh way. As we seek to create this year a new list to complete the sentence, all I want for Christmas is. And so this year, we're going to approach Christmas by coming up with that list and taking a look at, at what should we really want at Christmas time. We're going to lead off next weekend, the weekend after Thanksgiving, with talking about the magnificent joy that can be ours, not just at Christmas season, but throughout the year. And by the way, I'm, I'm looking forward to this series because we've been working on it, and it's going to be a little different twist than past Christmases. And so I want to encourage you to be thinking, be planning to be here next weekend, but also I want to encourage you to be thinking, who can I invite to come and hear what we really need to hear this Christmas season, what we should really in our hearts want? And it begins with the magnificent joy of the good news that Jesus brings into our life. So be thinking of who can you invite? As we continue David's celebration message, we see that along with David's praise of God's goodness and and his greatness, he demonstrates a a spirit, a, a wonderful spirit of humility. So he leads with praise and and he follows through with this incredible humility. Here he is, the king of Israel. And I want you to listen to his heart. In verse 13, Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and and we give you only what you first gave us. We are here for only a moment, visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are are like passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. If you skip down to verse 19, he says, Give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey all your commands, laws, and decrees. David had the humility to acknowledge that he had been chosen by God's grace. And he was extremely humble and, and grateful for God's patience and, and grace in his life. Yes, David had done some marvelous things. I mean, he's the guy that we read about with David and Goliath, right? He's the guy that killed the giant. But David's also the guy that messed up royally. He's the guy that committed adultery, even murder to cover up his sin. And yet, when he was called on that, when he was confronted, he repented. He had a a repented heart. He confessed it to God, but he also recorded it in the Psalms, and we can still read his confession. As he came to grips that he was a sinner that did not deserve to be treated the way he was. And God poured out his grace on him and allowed him to stay in his role as king of Israel. 
David had a humility to say, who am I to lead your people? Last week, as we concluded our Go Fish series, we, we concluded that series not just with the challenge of the thousands of people that live within five miles of this building that we want to influence, that we want to live out our commitment to be bridging the gap to those without Jesus so that no one has to live without hope. And yet, as we concluded this, that message series, we said, don't focus on the thousands, focus on the one person that you can influence. And we asked the question, who is your one? Who's that one person that you can pour your life into and invest so that you can lead them to put their hope in Christ? It seems to me that that these two questions go really well together. The question that David asked in this in this this celebration message of who am I? Who am I to be treated with such grace and mercy? It seems only natural to follow that question up with who is the one that I can share God's goodness with? David was also humbled at the end of his life on how short life really is. You know, although he lived a long life, and this, this message was actually at the end of his life as he's ready to pass the baton of leadership on to his son Solomon, who would come on to be the great King Solomon. But, you know, David, he's reflecting how short life really is. He said it's like a a passing shadow. You know, this year as we marked the 20th anniversary as a church, it's, it's been a time for me to reflect on how, how quick life is passing. You know, when we started Southwest, I had dark hair, <laughs> black hair. I had three young children that would be some of the ones carrying packages up the aisle during special weekends like this. Now they're all over the country, and, and now they have children. They're all married, and now two of the three have children themselves. And every once in a while, I look in the mirror and see the gray hair, and, and I'm reminded I'm a grandpa now, and I think, how'd that happen? It just, life goes fast. David reflects on that, and there's a humility that comes with that. And, you know, as we, as we recognize how, how short life is and how quickly it passes, I think that humbly brings to our hearts an urgency, an urgency that this, this good news that we have in Jesus Christ, it's something that's too good for us to keep to ourselves, and it's something that we want to pass on to others. We want to bridge the gap with, with other generations to pass and this good news on to them and share the story of God to them in such a way that they will embrace it as well. It seems like so much of my prayers these days are caught up in praying for my children and praying for my grandchildren that they will all be faithful Jesus followers so that they can experience all this good stuff that Jesus has in store for us. Have you been humbled by how short life is as I have been? 
Have you been humbled by how good God is to us individually and as a church? It's just too good of news to keep to ourselves. And let's humbly share that good news with others. And finally, David's message concludes with worship. In 1 Chronicles 29, verse 20, it says, Then David said to the whole assembly, Give praise to the Lord your God. And the entire assembly praised the Lord, the God of their ancestors. And they bowed low and knelt before the Lord and the king. You know, it's appropriate on a weekend that we're collecting a special offering to practically enhance our worship experiences here at Southwest. To get larger screens and to get a bigger stage, a a stage that maybe is a little bit more attractive to, to look at and maybe a little less cluttered and, and that kind of thing. And, and so we're looking forward to making those enhancements. And yet at the same time, as we think about enhancing our worship here at Southwest, I want to share with you the greatest enhancement we can make of our worship at Southwest is not the size of the sage or the size of the screens but it's to have hearts that have been moved with humility, to have been moved with heartfelt praise of the God that we worship, hearts that are so filled with, with gratitude for what God's done in our heart that when we sing these great worship songs of praise in our times together, that we don't just stand with our folds, hands folded and just kind of observe others worshiping, but that we engage and that with all of our hearts we sing out to God in praise. So as we sacrifice of our money and our efforts to to create worship experiences here at Southwest, let's realize that the most important thing that takes place is not the externals, it's the internal. And let's be a people that just, just shout out the goodness of God and shout out praise to Him in our times together. And not be concerned so much whether or not we sing on key, but let's sing out with enthusiasm to God who deserves every bit of our praise. Let's be a people that truly worship God with a heartfelt praise from humility. Now, if you keep reading, we'd see that David follows up this this great time of celebration with an incredible expression of worship. The very next day, Scripture says that David leads the people to offer to the Lord thousands of animals sacrificed as burnt offerings. Now, honestly, as as we read in the Old Testament about this practice of animal sacrifice, it's it's really difficult for us with 21st century minds to, to grasp and comprehend the significance of it all. And yet it is important to note that sacrifice has always been a vital part of worshiping the God of the Bible. In the Old Testament, it involved animal sacrifices. The animals were sacrificed, and by the way, the animals, the animal sacrifices were never designed to permanently do away with sin. 
And yet in many ways in the Old Testament, I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way, the animal sacrifices we read about were actually IOUs from God declaring to them and reminding them that He would eventually provide a means of lasting forgiveness of sin. And of course, we know that that came later in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I find the whole Old Testament system of sacrifice fascinating. And yet I'm so grateful to live on this side of the cross. I don't know about you. I'm grateful that when I mess up and when I sin, and I do, I'm grateful that when I mess up and sin that I don't have to go find some little lamb or some young goat to slaughter, to be reminded of how bad sin is, and to be reminded that I'm a sinner who needs forgiveness. I'm grateful that Jesus was willing to come as the Lamb of God and to once and for all be the ultimate sacrifice. He was willing to come to this earth and, and willing to lay his life down so that we could be forgiven once and for all. And so that there is no need any longer for animal sacrifices. I'm grateful for that. So let's follow the example of David and these people as they bowed down in their hearts and knelt before the Lord. And let's conclude this time of celebration, conclude this celebration message with a time of communion, thanking God for his forgiveness, thanking Jesus that he would come and be the Lamb of God, and that he would be that willing sacrifice so that all of our sins, past, present, and future, would be forgiven once and for all. And let's acknowledge during this time of communion God's grace, God's goodness, and God's mercy in our lives. It says that the people bowed down before the Lord. I know some of you aren't physically able to bow, but I want to ask you, would you bow in your heart? Would you take a knee in your heart and say, God, I don't deserve all the goodness you've shown me. I don't deserve what Jesus has done for me. Maybe some of you will even be so moved that you'll bow physically. But let's allow this to be a time of celebrating all that Jesus' love and sacrifice means to us. And let's also allow our heart at this Thanksgiving season just to, to, to begin that list, even if it's just in our mind, of all the things we have to be thankful for. And let's take this time of communion and receive it as a, as a time of celebration, as a time of thanksgiving for all that God's done. I know that many of us are going to have a meal later this week with all the fixings. But I want to suggest to you today, this is the most important Thanksgiving meal you'll have this week. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you 
I, I just want to begin by thanking you that we live on this side of the cross. Father, when I read these, this practice and this system of animal sacrifices, it, it's, it's fascinating, and yet I'm so grateful that we don't have to do that today. I'm so grateful that Jesus, that perfect, innocent lamb of you, came to this earth. And even though he was without sin, he was willing to die for my sin and for the sin of every person that's gathered here today. Father, we acknowledge we're the one that deserves to die. We're the one that deserves to be punished. And yet Jesus took that punishment upon himself. Help that be at the very top of our list of thanksgiving this Thanksgiving season. And help us during this time of communion, whether physically or just in our heart, let us bow before you, the great God of the universe, the great God that we read about in the Bible, our Father in heaven. And help us celebrate all that you've poured into our lives and all that you continue to pour. And help us be a people filled with praise and humility and worship. We love you, God. Thank you. And we thank you, Jesus, for being our sacrifice. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Southwest Church Teaching Ministries. We are a community of people committed to following Jesus and making disciples. Please join us for one of our three weekly gatherings, Saturdays at 5.30 p.m., Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11.15 a.m.